0: Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Wow, 21 years of age today. It's incredible I've been married for 25 years. That's even more incredible. Wow, I got married before I was born. 46 today. Oh my Lord, I'm on my way to 50. I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. That's not a good thing. Someone told me today, being in our 40s is being in our prime. I don't feel my body's telling me the same thing that you're telling me. But uh, my brain definitely is understanding life. If you're young, wait till you get old and you understand life a little more. Although, when you're young, you think you understand life. And uh, that isn't always a positive thing. Obviously, as a teenager dad, I knew everything. Uh, But everybody else in the room as a teenager hasn't quite got it together. I always had it together. Uh, that's why I didn't need my father's advice too often as a teenager. Uh, where's my good friend, Jessica? Where is she? Is she in the house today? Jessica Peter. Can you come and join me up on the platform? Give Jessica a great big hand, Jessica. If you don't know who Jessica Peter is, she works down at our marketplace, and uh, she does such an incredible job. Her, JP... Kimmy and the whole team. Jessica turned up to work uh, just a couple of weeks ago wearing this wonderful, beautiful shirt. Uh, it was a shirt that, uh, she always wears cool stuff to work. She always does. Sometimes she turns up to work like all purple. I, I wish I could do all purple. Uh, I don't feel like it will work for me as good as it does for her. But she turned up wearing this shirt. And I actually texted her this morning said, can you please wear that same shirt to church this morning? And I'm going to embarrass you and get you up on the platform. She, she said she's only doing it because it's my birthday. That's what she said. <laughs> That's actually her words. If you can't read it from up the back, if you're like me and your eyes are starting to go because you're in your mid-40s, it says, I appreciate your advice, but I will do whatever I want. She assured me that that wasn't for her boss at work. (laughs) I felt like it was, but she assured me it wasn't. You know what? I took a photo of this shirt straight away and I sent it to my daughters. You know what? Dusa replied straight away. This is what she said. At least I appreciate your advice. (laughs) I, I feel like I'd rather you take it and not appreciate it. Can I have an amen from a dad in the house? Goodness me. I appreciate your advice, but I will do whatever I want. I love this shirt. Thank you, and sorry for embarrassing you. I appreciate your advice, but I'll do whatever I want. When I was a teenager, I feel like I didn't appreciate Dad's advice or did whatever he wanted me to do. Neither of those uh, did I do so well. And you know what? The reality for most of us, this is our life journey, right? We, we walk through life wanting to do what we want to do, wanting to have my journey. Frank Sinatra sang the song, I will do it my way. And uh, all the old people in the room jumped to that before you, you never finish my scriptures but you finished Frank Sinatra's song right there. The young people in the room are like, who the heck is Frank Sinatra? I will do it my way. Thank you. I appreciate your advice, but I'll do whatever I want. I feel like that shirt should be most of us and we should be wearing it when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Jesus, thank you for your word. But I feel like I'll do Whatever I want, I will take my journey. I will live my life. I will control my life. I remember talking to one of the young girls in our youth ministry a little while ago, and I'm like, "Ask her the question, hey, how's things going? And This is her statement, I'm living my best life. She made that statement, and in my head, I was starting to think over the last six months. And in my head, I was thinking, I don't think you're living your best life at all you're living your life. But in fact, over the six, last six months, I think at least five times you've cried on my shoulder when a boy has broken your heart. I think during that last six months, there's been times when I've seen you the following day after the parties that you went to, and you don't look like you're living your best life on that morning. You know, I think in over that six month period, you're not living your best life, you're living your life, you're making your decisions, It definitely isn't your best life, and it most certainly isn't the best life God has got for you. In fact, those six months of living my best life is living pain, living hurt, and building pain and hurt continually in my life. You know, where last week opened up Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, and it says, Oh Lord, I've heard the report about you, and I fear. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. You know, my prayer over this season is, oh God, revive your work in the midst of the years. Revive your work. Last week, I spent some time looking through how revival and in revival history has seen the world turned upside down. It's seen nations change, cities change, regions change as revival has poured through people's lives and and poured through communities. And it sends me back to the reality that we live in a world that right now needs the revival work of Jesus Christ. It needs, as Habakkuk said, revive your work in the midst of the years right now. Divorce rates skyrocketing right across the globe. The only reason divorce rates have slowed a little bit is because marriage rates have also slowed because people now live together one in two marriages end in divorce, 93% of de facto relationships break down. 93%. That is what has affected The one in two marriages end in divorce because they come from de facto into a marriage relationship. Listen, you may have come from that in your own life. My prayer is this, that thank you, Jesus, for your grace to redeem broken relationships, to redeem broken marriages, to redeem the brokenness of our world. Listen, I'm not trying to speak doom and gloom into a marriage or a relationship today. I want to speak truth from the Word of God, from the life that's in Christ, and yes, He can redeem the brokenness of our marriages. Look at suicide rates today skyrocketing. Here in the nation of Australia, the leading cause of death between the ages of 15 and 44 is suicide. Crime rates skyrocketing. We see and seen much of it on the news in the last few years. Sexual crime rates are going through the roof across the globe. Listen, we need God to move. We need revival because listen, my way, the world's reality of my way isn't working so well. We live in an apparent post-Christian world. And our apparent post-Christian world is definitely showing the fruits of a post-Christian world. It's, fr- it's showing the fruits in brokenness, despair, heartache, hopelessness. The mess that is our world today, Jesus Bring revival to this nation. Jesus, bring revival to the world around us because my way isn't working. The world's way isn't working. We can do lovely things. We can think we're doing nice stuff, but my way is only showing brokenness in the world around us. Psalm 119, verse 37. Here, King David is making a statement. He says this, revive me. In your way, revive me. In your way, you know Psalm 119 is an incredible passage of Scripture. Uh, Most theologians, older theologians, tell us that this was penned by King David. It's unique, unique to all the other psalms because it's obviously significantly long. If you ever get to school for the young people in the room and memory verse for that week is Psalm 119, call in sick because it's a tough one. Psalm 119 is one of those memory verses you never want. Those memory verses like Jesus wept, they're rippers. Psalm 119, that's a killer. But it's a powerful piece of Scripture, Psalm 119. It's powerful. There is so much incredible truth in here. King David writes numerous times through Psalm 119, revive me, revive me, revive me. Old theologians say that that this passage of Scripture is unique in the fact that it doesn't flow like many of the other Psalms, that flow in a continual thought. But it's broken up, in fact, into 22 different segments in this this Psalm. The, The 22 different segments are broken up in the, in the Hebrew alphabet, eight verses in every one of those 22 segments, it's an acrostic. It's one of those things that if the best way to explain it, you know, like you say cat and you mean like cruel, um, absolute pain, terrible. That's the acrostic of cat. You know what I'm saying? It's the cat explains what a cat is. That was my best attempt of English. My apologies. If you're a cat lover, we have two cats. And my wife loves them. So if you're a cat lover, my wife also agrees with you. And I love her, so we have two cats. (laughs) Psalm 119 is outworked in a different way. And many theologians, again, say that King David wrote this psalm over his entirety of life. So it's not like he just sat down one day and penned it. The reason that it, it sort of ties together in a different way is because he penned a little bit and then he penned some more. i had gone through a different challenge and he penned it again. And he went through a different challenge and he wrote another aspect of his life and penned this entire psalm over these years of his life and it gives us this incredible picture and I want you to note this that a number of times through that he says revive me and it's a reality for all of our lives we all have moments in our lives that we need to be revived again we need fresh life breathed into us. We need fresh spirit life breathed into us. We, we need fresh vision life breathed into us. We need fresh anointing life breathed into us. I, I know if you've lived for God for more than a day, you'll know there's moments in your life that there's a, a need for fresh spirit life breathed back into us. I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life I feel like I've detoured my spiritual journey, not necessarily going back into gross sin, but it lost the vitality that I had in this living relationship that was hungry for Jesus, hungry for His direction, and hungry for where He was leading me. Yeah, I was still in church. Yeah, I was still doing my thing. Yeah, I was still praying my prayers. But that vitality has disappeared. And there was a moment I needed just a fresh breath. Listen, I love those fresh breaths in my life. And obviously, so did King David. Because the structure of this whole psalm comes back to him continually just saying, revive in me again, breathe in me afresh, breathe into my mind, breathe into my vision life, breathe into who I am. Yeah. Martin Luther, uh, he prof- prof- uh, professed that uh, he prized this psalm so highly that he would take the whole world uh, in exchange, he would not take the whole world in exchange for a single leaf of the power of this scripture. Wow. Matthew Henry, one of the great, Uh, commentaries of the Bible written in the 18th century, when he was younger, his father would give him a single verse out of Psalm 119 every single day. And he would tell his son Matthew to go and study and meditate on that single verse every single day. Matthew Henry attributed his great love for the Word of God and the fact that he wrote a commentary on the whole Bible From that love of the word that he found in Psalm 119. King David shows us some powerful pictures right here. And incredibly, he starts Psalm 119 with this statement, verse 1 Blessed are those who are undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimony and seek him with their whole hearts. You know what? If I could take a verse and say I would love City Point West to be that, it would be verse 2, that we would seek Him with our whole hearts. That we would always be seeking Jesus with everything that is inside of us. That we would continually seek Jesus Search for Jesus. I know some of us in this room have been walking with Jesus for a long time and say, yeah, I've found Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. But listen, there's more in Jesus continually in our lives to grow and enlarge as we would continually seek Jesus. But he starts that psalm by saying, blessed are those who are undefiled in the way. I feel like there's a statement there that somebody like Paul picked up when he wrote, Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 when he said don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He's talking about not being defiled in, in the way that the world lives today but being undefiled continually living in the way that Jesus has for us. Alyssa Hope Wagner said this burn God's word into your heart his thoughts into your mind and his ways into your actions and you'll have A spirit-filled life. His ways into our actions. You know, I could spend a long time preaching off these two verses. There is some power in what David is writing right here. Blessed are those who are undefiled in the way, in the way that we live. But let me skip on for a moment. I want to go through Psalm thirty-three. Through to Psalm 40, I'm going to pick up there in the middle where he says, revive us in your way. He goes in verse 33, he says this, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. I want you to notice two things right here, and these are really important. He says, first, teach me, and secondly, give me understanding. We must know this. Walking like Jesus wants us to walk isn't something that happens naturally. None of my kids were born with a perfect outworking of their life. Every one of them were born with their own will. I never had to teach my kids to be disobedient. I had to teach them not to be disobedient but I never said, hey, mate, Joshy, this is how you be disobedient. Hey, Joshy, this is how you say no to your mother and want to do your own thing. Well, you always was obedient to me, of course, but to your mother. I never had to teach my kids that. I never had to teach them how to do the wrong thing. That, that's the natural band of humanity in our broken state, in our fallen state. And to come back into the way that here the psalmist is saying, that we're going to be revived in, to come back into the way that David is teaching us to walk in. He says this, God, teach me, teach me, show me, give me understanding. Teach me, give me understanding. Listen, the walking in the way is a work of the Holy Spirit. Walking according to the word is a working of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I was thinking back to when I first found Christ. Listen, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to school and I did lots of memory verses. I wasn't always great at remembering memory verses. I was better at cheating in memory verses. But I had lots of them. You know, I, I, I grew up in, in that aspect, but an encounter with Jesus Christ and a life revived at 19 brought reality to what the actual Word of God, that I'd memory verse, that I'd, tried to remember that I read in school, it actually brought reality to it because the Holy Spirit brought it alive in my life. Hey, listen, you may be new into church today or you may have a a newer journey and you're struggling in the Word of God. If you want to understand anything from this, the prayer before we read anything is this, God, teach me today. Give me understanding of what I'm reading right now. I was thinking of a young person that I've been discipling over the last number of years, just recently they were telling me I started reading through the book of Proverbs, and they said, This PT, I've read the book of Proverbs lots of times, but at last it made sense to me. So and when I started reading, I started realizing, Man, this is actually going to help me in my life to make the right decisions. I'm like, I've been telling you this for five years, you stupid person. What are you doing? And then I thought back to the fact I've been told that for 19 years before. He says here, give me understanding. Teach me. Teach me. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God understanding that does something powerful to black and white writing. And letters in a book that transforms a soul. It transforms a heart. It revives a life. It revives a community. It revives a city. It revives a nation. It revives the people around us. When life is breathed back into the Word of God, back into our lives, He says, revive me in your way. And He says, God, give me understanding. Church, can that be our prayer every day before we open the Word? Give me understanding. What am I reading today? Jesus, I don't want words. I want to be transformed by Your Word. I don't want just a book. I want something to happen on the inside of me. Verse 35. Make me walk in the path of Your commandments, for I delight in it. Listen, again, He says, make me. Teach me, give me understanding and make me, make me walk, make me walk. I don't know about you, but sometimes God needs to make me do some stuff. And I'm looking across this room. Some of you aren't nodding, but you should be because I know how stubborn you are. (laughs) King David, he is saying this. Listen, revived heart, revival inside of us, lives in a surrendered life. This is a prayer of surrender. I can imagine him being down on his knees. Make me walk. Oh, I can't stop looking from rooftop to rooftop to those pretty girls having a shower. I can't stop going across and doing the wrong thing in that situation, then having their husbands killed. Jesus, make me walk. This is a guy with a heart after God. This is the beautiful shepherd boy that destroyed Goliath that has messed up his life time and time again. And make me, and make me. I can imagine him in those times when he's, no, I've stuffed up again. I said the wrong thing. I had the wrong attitude. My thinking was wrong again. Make me walk in the paths of your commandments. Will you arrest me when I'm being stupid? Will you pull me away from the brokenness of my life? I want to come and I want to surrender myself. I want to surrender my action, surrender my mind, surrender my language, surrender my journey, surrender my walk again. Lord, I, I need to be revived to your way. Take me back to that, not my way, not the messed up way that has cost me so much. I remember when I first came to Christ, there was a song written by a band by the name of The Third Day. And again, for the old Christians in the room that remember that, the song went along the lines of this, please take for me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you, Jesus. Please take for me my life when I don't have the strength. It's a song of surrender. Take my life. Take my life. Listen, a prayer like that is scary. A prayer like that will take you from the points in your life where at the age of 18, saying I will never be a pastor to the age of 22 becoming a pastor. It'll send you to a place of I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do that. I will never do that to God. I'm surrendered and I'm following you and whatever you ask of me. It's a challenge. It's a great challenge. Shauna Nequist says this, Life with God at its core is about giving your life up to something bigger and more powerful. It's about saying at every turn, that God knows better than we know and that His Spirit will lead us in ways that we couldn't have predicted. I have known that, but I haven't really lived that. i can have an amen from somebody who knows those feels. I've known that, but I haven't always lived that. If I read this right, King David's at this point saying, I know I need you. I know I need to be surrendered to you. But make me sometimes walk in the paths of your commandments. Verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Listen, if I want to give you that in modern Tim MacDonald English, this is what I would say. He says, Listen, Take my heart away from all the stuff that I want and give me the stuff in my heart that I need. Take my heart away from everything that's around me that's drawing my attention. And Jesus, you come back and seat yourself in the right place of my heart. Because a whole bunch of stuff has got my attention so often. How I live, how I walk, how I look, how I act has got my attention so much. Lord, come and take your rightful place in my heart and turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. I think back to Colossians. Paul writes this. says, Set your eyes on the things above, not on the things of the earth. I feel like Paul's taken a lot from Psalm 119. He says, set my eyes on the stuff that's here. I I, I set my eyes all the time on worthless stuff, on things of no value, things of no value for my life, things that just steal my attention from what God is doing. I set my eyes on, on a neighbor that's annoying me and the frustration of that situation. I get involved in something I shouldn't, and all of a sudden I'm frustrated and I'm cranky and what am I doing in worthless stuff? Set my eyes on you, Jesus. Set my eyes on fear and worry. And oh my goodness, is the world going go to go into World War III? I set my eyes on the difficulties. And listen, I'm not saying you don't be aware of the, the days we live in, but sometimes our eyes are so set there that we're just thinking on worthless stuff all day, where we get into a place of anxiety, we get into a place of worry and fear, we get into a place that we're just so caught up in the worthlessness of the world around us and news. And the psalmist here, King David, is speaking to us for our lives and our world, and he says it so simply, so profoundly, turn my eyes off all of the worthless things that have got my attention And bring me back to your way for my life. For your way. I wonder how often we detour from God's way in our life because of all the worthless stuff we see around us. I know I've detoured sometimes. I know I've detoured off purpose. I know I've detoured out of my passion. I know I've detoured in moments of my life Out of the promises that are there for my life that I've held on to, I've detoured from them because I kept my eyes on the worthless things. I removed it off passion. I removed it off purpose. I removed it off the promises. And I just stayed there. And he says, revive me again to your way. Your way. How you want me to live. Listen, whenever we come to personal revival, we're always pushed back into purpose we're always pushed back into the way that God wants us to live. This is not just about our actions, but it pushes us back into who we are. Personal revival has always pushed me back into purpose. It's always pushed me back into serving God. It's always pushed me back into looking to what matters and what's important to God and bringing that importance back to my life, that I would value what was important to God, that I would value that in me. Listen, that personal revival always pushes then into corporate revival in the people that are around us. When personal revival happens in me and it happens in you and it moves corporately across who we are, that always influences the community. That will always lead me and you to speak into the people around us, to engage with our community, our, our friends, our neighbours, the, the people in our in our world around us, because the way of God is always to in, encounter the entirety of humanity. The Bible says so clearly he wishes that none would perish and it starts as a church is inwardly revived and breathe fresh life back to the way that God has for us. Leads us back to purpose. Leads us back to what God's breathing into our lives. God wants to breathe in us. Some of us may be sitting in this room with a real deep need to be dragged out of the worthless things being gathered around our eyes. Nadia Boltz-Weber said this, It's about how God continues to reach into the graves we dig for ourselves and pull us out, giving us new life in ways both dramatic and small. And it ever felt like God's digging you out of the grave that you dug for yourself? You know, those conversations sometimes we have, we dig our own grave. The situations we get involved in, we dig our own grave. When we go back to my way, we dig our own grave. I am grateful for a God that's dug me out of some graves. I'm I'm grateful that God hasn't just like flicked the dirt in over there. God, I'm glad God's not like me and Fluffy that I was telling you about last week. I didn't mind just flicking the dirt back over there. God dug me out, lifted me out, lifted me out. I deserve to be in that place, but he keeps lifting me out and putting me back into his way putting back vision in my life, putting back, reviving my heart. Listen, I know in, in my life, I was revived and God brought me back to focus. Listen, my focus prior to that was gaining wealth, buying a house, car, surfing all up and down the East Coast of Australia, having my own fun, my own life, doing my own thing, feeling like everything was about me and filled with self. When I encountered Jesus Christ at 19, my life was so vastly transformed for me. My life, everything about me and what I did with my wealth, my, you know, from that point, I I found the great joy of giving and sowing. I found the great joy of looking for others, people in my world. I, I, I found the joy that caused me to fall in love with a whole community of people. Came when God revived and reset my focus and purpose. Revived me. Verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who is de- uh, devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. You know, here in these... Passages, King David says two things revive me to your way, and now he says revive me to your righteousness. You know, these two are always intertwined. The righteousness of Christ that is established listen, it's not established because of your work, it's not established because of what you do, it's not established because of the outworking of your life, it's established because on the cross Jesus hung and bore our sin, our infirmity our mistakes, our failures, our brokenness. He bore it on Himself on a cross and brings righteousness to our life. But listen, when His righteousness is imputed into us, there is a transformation in how we think. There's a transformation of how we live. There's a transformation in how we walk. There's a transformation in who we are. When the righteousness of Christ is imputed in us, it changes us. Listen, when the righteousness moves within us as individuals, when us corporately, it always changes society around us. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is so essential. He says, revive me into your way. Revive me into righteousness. Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns many people. Righteousness exalts a nation. When the righteousness is arriving in our hearts and our lives through the cross, through what Jesus did and changing and transforming us, Listen, from that point, it's changing and transforming a nation. This is where revival in us, revival in us personally, revival in us corporately, is revival in the areas around us because righteousness begins to rise. Listen, we live in a day and age that doesn't understand righteousness, doesn't understand right living with God because they've tried to push themselves away from it and say, I want my way entirely. This scripture was written thousands of years ago. But I tell you, this scripture prophesies to today. It prophesies strongly to 21st century living. It prophesies strongly to 21st century Anala, It prophesies strongly to what God wants to do right here, right now, in our midst, in us, through us, around us. This is what God wants to do. He wants His way revived. He wants His righteousness revived. He wants the outwork of His righteousness in us to revive the city around us. Lost in brokenness. Lost in hopelessness. Lost in rising suicide rates. Lost in rising rates of sexual crime, lost in rising rates of domestic violence, lost in rising rates of of divorce. He wants righteousness imputed and breathed again into a society. See change. The psalmist says, revive me again into your way. Revive me again into your righteousness. Righteousness. And I pray, revive my God, our city. Revive our nation. Revive this world. Breathe righteousness again upon us. Breathe righteousness again into this region here in the western suburbs of Brisbane. Breathe it again. Breathe it again. The righteousness of Christ. Let it breathe. Let it breathe on our city. Let it breathe in the western suburbs in Jesus' name. Revive us again. Revive us again. Holy Spirit of God. We do, we love you. We love your goodness, we love your mercy. We love your way. Jesus, sometimes to stay on your way is a difficult challenge. Sometimes we've tried to stay on your way and we've walked our own way and it's cost us, it's hurt us, it's been painful. Revive us again into your way. Jesus, sometimes we got so caught up in our lives and what we wanted to do, in our situations, in our scenarios, that our way just become the only way we can see. Revive us again into your way, oh God. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, Jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.